This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Just to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I'm, I'm not a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! All what I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. I'm joined by the House of Champions co-host Michael Hood and Nigel Real Coker. Plus, we have the hardest working and most active man in Italy, Italia, Fabrizio Romano. Fab, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> all great, all great. Thank you, my friend. It was a nice week for Italian teams, so very happy. Hey, uh, a nice week for Italian teams, but let's talk about <laughs> Inter. Another clean sheet. They're in the final. But the only problem, Fabrizio, is the playing Manchester City, who were fabulous against Real Madrid. Yeah, a big problem, I think, but really credits to Inter. This is an incredible surprise also to me and to all the Italian people because we were not expecting Inter to be in the Champions League, not even the semi-final, but the final not at all. And so incredible achievement, as you mentioned, eight clean sheets. This is a lot. Incredible job by Andre Onana and they signed him for free from Ajax. So that was a very smart signing. Same happened with Edin Dzeko from Roma, with Enric Mkhitaryan. They are not young players, but the experience, uh, how they're helping the team. This has been really incredible in the Champions League this season. And they didn't have an easy group with Barcelona, with Bayern. So congrats to them, really. It was, uh, was not easy. They were really dominating the derby in the two games. And so I think it's going to be really tough in the final because my personal opinion, and I think this is very clear, Manchester City are on another planet in this moment. But let's see, he's in one month, and so we never know in Champions League finals. But again, congrats to Inter, because that was not easy at all. Uh, Fabrizio, normally we like to get straight into the transfer talk, because we have Nigel Rio Coker back in the house tonight. Ed's jumped straight back in, and he said, NRC has the audacity to hide when his Real predictions go badly, but appears when West Ham United make the final. Explain yourself, Rio Coker, come on! Um, Ed, it's uh, called a conflict of interest, mate. I was busy, occupied, something else. I was double booked, so I wasn't here, unable to defend myself. But then, yes, West Ham make the final. Now, leading off that, Fab, talk to us about Juventus. Was it a disappointing result in the expectations of Juventus not to beat Sevilla? Yeah, honestly, really disappointed by Juventus. I think in general, honestly, we have to say it was not an easy season when you have all these problems, of course, with the, uh, what happened with the points, uh, reduction in the, in the Serie A. So it's not easy also to be focused on the season in general. But the quality 
they are showing is not enough to be Juventus. Honestly, this is the feeling among the fans and also into the club. This is why I think the best news for Juventus that we can say is that they will have a new director because there will be a new director of football very soon and it's going to be 90% depending on Napoli uh, approving him to go, but it's going to be Cristiano Giuntoli, the director who built Napoli's squad to win the Scudetto and this is really positive for Juventus because they can start their build, they can trust the young players they have, but also clean a bit some something into the, into the dressing room and so the future will be completely different but as you mentioned yesterday with Sevilla was not enough also in the first game they were a bit lucky to score the goal in the final minutes so this is not enough for Juventus Liver and I'm sure this is going to change next season you know what uh, they say Fabrizio it was a little bit of shit (laughs) (laughs) Fab there's been an Italian renaissance something we haven't seen in really decades in European competition of all the teams in the finals which teams are you picking to get it done Roma, honestly, because of Jose Mourinho. Mm, I have no doubts on that. So I hope also Fiorentina will compete, but I think for Roma, this is a big opportunity because Sevilla have a quality squad, but Roma have Jose Mourinho. Uh, And Mourinho in the European finals is a guarantee, but also what he's creating into this dressing room. A lot of injuries, a lot of problems. The squad has not the quality to be in a final competition because not of the quality of the players, but there are like 18, 19 players. So this is a big problem if you want to compete in Serie A and in Europa League. But they did it, they are in the final, and I'm sure that he's going to prepare this final as the last game of their lives. And so this is why I think Jose Mourinho is going to make it. One shot on target yesterday against Leo Tuzin. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching this game, and, and, and Mourinho's just sitting, looking at the fans. He's not even bothered about the game. He's just in another level. Let's get into it, Fabrizio. There's a lot to get through here. We're going to fire through it in the five minutes. Let's talk about the Liverpool quartet that are leaving at the end of the season. Uh, what's next for Milner, Firmino, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Keita, which was an interesting one for me. Obviously, you broke the news earlier this week that they'll be leaving Liverpool. Yeah, for Keita, there are some possibilities in the Bundesliga. For Chamberlain, still nothing decided so he will take some time. Bobby Firmino is a really interesting uh, situation because there are many clubs interested in Bobby Firmino from different countries, so he has to take his time and he wants to decide with his family if he wants to go for big money uh, in different kind of country, for example, from Qatar, they're offering him crazy money or if he wants to continue in Europe uh, in competitive football and maybe try an experience as uh, the starter, the regular starter in a club after being a backup option at Liverpool this season. So he's going to think about that, but it's not decided yet. For James Milner, from what I'm hearing, he's going to join Brighton. The agreement is 99% done. He's going to sign at the end of the season. But Milner already said yes to, to Roberto De Zerbi. I think they will lose McAllister, Caicedo. So the idea is to go for Moda Hood from Borussia Dortmund on the free and James Milner from Liverpool on the free. And so this could be a really interesting one also for Milner, I think. Uh, Fab, with all those players going out, and uh, I mean, just what an end of an era for Liverpool, such a dominant spell under Jurgen Klopp with those players playing a big part. But with all those players going out, who are the players that now become Jurgen Klopp's top transfer priorities this summer? Yeah, midfielders, for sure. They have to rebuild the midfield. Among the names we mentioned, there are three midfielders. So it's very clear that they have to go at least for two, three midfielders this summer. This is the, the idea. Mason Mount is a player they love, and so he remains the top priority at Liverpool. They want Mason Mount. It depends on how the conversations between Chelsea and Mount will go at the end of the season over a new contract, because Pochettino wants to keep Mount at the club, but it's about the club and the agents of the player to discuss about the contract. So it's not easy at this point to reach an agreement between Mount and Chelsea. This is why Liverpool are keen on, uh, on signing him. 
I would keep the name of Alexis McAllister from Brighton because Liverpool had a direct contact with the cap of the player. It was two weeks ago. They presented the project. They made a financial proposal to the player. It's still not agreed. So it's not something done. In the last two, three days, we heard done deal McAllister to Liverpool. From what I know, is not done at this stage. So the situation remains open. They have still no agreement with the player, with the club, but they are on it. So McAllister... Mount, and I'm sure they're going to do something else because they are exploring multiple options. They will take some time also to understand how the domino of midfielders in the market will go because, for example, a player they appreciate is Ryan Gravenberg at Bayern. But as of today, Bayern have no intention to negotiate. They want to keep the player. They want Gravenberg to stay. But you know also that one year ago at this stage, Bayern were also saying Lewandowski is not for sale. And then he joined Barcelona. So we have to see how the conversation Gravenberg-Bayern will go at the end of the season. So this is the idea, to do something important in the midfield. One more centre-back. This is a concrete possibility because Liverpool will also explore the market of, uh, of centre-backs. And let's see for the attacking positions, but they feel they are well covered there with Cody Gapo, who is doing very well. So I think the full focus is going to be on the midfield. They need and they are going to sign new midfielders. I want to turn to Arsenal in just a quick second, but you mentioned McAllister. Fabrizio, from your knowledge, and obviously you know a lot of people in this industry, what sort of price tag are we talking for for McAllister? I saw some reports around 60, 65 million pounds, but I'm told that it's less than this. And that there is a possibility to reach an agreement with Brighton in easy way, I would say. This is kind of pact between McAllister and Brighton and they did when he extended the contract. So this is why I think it's going to be less than 65 million pounds. And I'm also sure that the player already has a kind of green light from the club to go once they will receive the, the right proposal. So I think the agreement with Brighton is not going to be a big issue. It's more the agreement with the player. The player wants to feel convinced about the project, long-term project, to speak with managers. So he wants to understand uh, very well what kind of projects there are, for example, at Liverpool or, for example, at Chelsea, where there is Mauricio Pochettino. For Chelsea, that was not a topic two, three weeks ago, but now there is Mauricio Pochettino. And with Pochettino, who is Argentinian, we know that this could change. So this is why McAllister is taking his time, but my expectation is for him to, to go. It's not going to be a problem. Producer Dez is asking a question. Uh, apparently, he doesn't want to have his microphone open for this. <laughs> asking what about Milner to Brighton? Almost done, 99% done. So just waiting on him to sign the contract uh, because we have also rumors on Leeds on other, on other teams, but I'm told that it's going to be Brighton. Brighton are convinced that Milner will join them, so just waiting on him to, to sign the contract. And again, congrats to Brighton because we are the beginning of May and they already signed players like James Milner, Joao Pedro for £30 million, Mohamed Ahud from Borussia Dortmund. So they are preparing the future as always. So their strategy is incredible. Yeah, sorry to make you repeat yourself. Apparently, producer Des doesn't listen to your earlier answers. Let's get into Aaron Alexander. He's jumped in the chat and he's mentioned this question a few times because we want to discuss Arsenal. He says, we know Arsenal is now preparing a bid for Rice in July. Would the figure be around 92 million as the media has reported? And also, are there any more infos on Arsenal, Arsenal targeting João Cancelo, which is an interesting one? Oh, on Cancelo, uh, I think what happened is that Arsenal have a good relationship with his agents and so among the conversations they're having, the name of Joao Cancelo was one of the names they discussed, but it's not clear the future of Cancelo yet. Uh, Thomas Tuchel a few minutes ago was speaking in a press conference and he said we have to speak at the end of the season, we see him with a very big desire to stay here, so... I think at the end of the season, this conversation, Bayern-Manchester City, is going to be crucial to understand what's kind of, what kind of step there will be for Joao Cancelo next. And then for, 
for Declan Rice, uh, first of all, to answer Aaron, I don't think it's going to be July. I think this is going to be June. They want to make a bid in June because they know there is going to be big competition for uh, for Declan Rice. And so Arsenal want to be fast. They are discussing internally at the moment about this bid because they don't want to disturb West Ham while they have this European final and also crucial final games in the, in the Premier League. They don't want to disturb the player. But then in June, when the season will be over, for sure, Arsenal will be there. Uh, they still don't have clear how much they will bid because it depends on the price tag. Every time we hear different price tag around the Clan Rice, once it's 90 million pounds, uh, the other time is 120. So we still don't know how much is going to be the price tag. But for sure, Arsenal will make a bid for the Clan Rice, and the Clan Rice remains the priority of Arsenal for the midfield. Fab, I've been watching your Twitter feed and what I've been seeing, you know, it's probably one of the first times I've probably seen less about Chelsea and much more about Arsenal hitting refresh yeah. with the contract extension. One player who was announced this week, and I think the deal is done. Can we give a here we go to that? It's Ramsdale, goalkeeper for Arsenal. It was a cheap deal that they got him in that, and he's really performed. With him getting that contract extension, what does the future now hold for Arsenal backup goalkeeper and U.S. men's national team starter, Matt Turner. Yeah, this is a good question. I think they will they will think to keep him uh, for for one more season as backup goalkeeper. Also, because next year is going to be Champions League, Arsenal will be busy on all the competitions and they want to win. They want to win next season. They feel they're really close to make it happen. This season was really exciting, but then was disappointing in the final seven eight games. But what they did is really special. They changed the mentality of the club, and this is why they want to invest in the summer to sign important players and then to win something next season. So I think the idea is to continue with Ramsdale and with uh, with Turner. To your point on Ramsdale. I think this is a strong message. I think the Ramsdale deal uh, perfectly explains how Arsenal project has changed. I still remember the day they signed Ramsdale, they had Berlino at the club and all the people on social media were criticizing Arsenal, why we signed this goalkeeper, this is not an elite goalkeeper, what is this signing for that money? So a lot of criticism. They protected the goalkeeper, they protected the player, Mikel Arteta protected him and now he's one of the best goalkeepers around. So this is showing how Arsenal completely changed their story in the last two years. They trust Ramsdale, the new deal is signed until 2028 and this is a strong message and they they want to continue because now it's Ramsdale, Martinelli. The next one is going to be Bukayo Saka. They are in conversations with William Saliba. So they want to get these new deals done before the summer transfer window so they can focus on new signings and not on, uh, on contract issues. Also, important one on Arsenal is about Granit Xhaka because Granit Xhaka will leave Arsenal in the summer. Yeah. And this is, I think, the big, uh, the big story of the week around, uh, around Arsenal. We can say that it's 90% done with Bayer Leverkusen. So Shaka has decided to leave. He's going to part ways with, uh, with Arsenal. He doesn't want to continue. And also Arsenal prepared to let him go and to try a different kind of experience. Four-year contract, June 2027. 15 million euros to Arsenal. is not completed yet because they are playing the final games of the, of the season. But I think in June, Granit Shaka will become new Bayer Leverkusen player. Wow. Wow. Classic Fabrizio Romano dropping a bomb in North London about Granite Xhaka. We're going to go the other half of North London shortly after the break. But first, producer Des Norris, take us to break, please. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Champions. Nigel Rio Cooker, take it away. Fabrizio, obviously, we know Tottenham is absolutely a mess of a club at the moment. 
what is the current situation in managers? And what would you say the top three managers on their list to lead this club? First of all, they want to get a new director. They need a new director and they want to get a new director. And Daniel Levy, from what I understand, wants to decide on a new manager together with a new director. So this is the idea, to discuss with the director and then to pick the manager. For sure, Arnes Lott is on the list, doing an excellent job at, at Feyenoord. So Arnes Lott is, uh, is in the list. Luis Enrique has always been appreciated by uh, Daniel Levy. So he's a name that we have to, to keep into the list. And also Ruben Amorim, who's doing a great job at, at Sporting. So I think these three names for sure. Postecoglu from Celtic has been offered oh, the to Tottenham too. So is <laughs> another, another option. But I would say that Zlot, Luis Enrique and Ruben Amorim are the three front runners at this stage. We have to see what they will decide with the new director. Because mm, to make you understand, uh, Julian Nagelsmann was top priority, the top option at, at Tottenham. Uh, then what happened is that he was waiting for Tottenham to appoint a new director. And he wanted the director close to him to decide on players, on contracts, on everything. So he wanted someone to support his daily job at Tottenham. At Tottenham. And uh, when Tottenham decided to go for a different kind of director, Julian Nagelsmann said, OK, uh, this is not going to happen. So this is why the director is going to be crucial for the new manager. But I think that this is going to be sorted in the next 15, 20 days. And so positive news are coming soon. Five minutes left with the legendary Fabrizio Romano. Let's turn our attention to Ivan Tony, who's been banned for eight months. Um, record amount of fines that he received, but also the £50,000 fine that he received. But eight months, I worry about the player's mental health. I worry about Brentford, how they replace his goals. If I'm not mistaken, he scored like 20 of the 50 goals that they've scored. I mean, what next for Brentford and what next for Ivan Tony here, Fabrizio? This is an insane story. Yeah, honestly, I'm not good on legal things, and this is why I'm still checking on, on this one. But uh, I will keep an eye on the possibility for Ivan Tony to play out to play outside England. So for the possibility to Brentford to maybe let him go and play in another league. Uh, I'm still checking on this one because I heard some ah. rumors of extra English clubs exploring the possibility to sign Ivan Tony in the summer to give him an opportunity to play uh, for for one season and maybe to, to 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 try to make a deal with Brentford. So honestly I'm not sure this could happen. Again, I'm I'm on transfers and not on legal stuff, so I'm still waiting to understand if this can happen, but this could be a possibility also to help the player in a difficult in a difficult moment. And for Brentford, they will go for a new striker for sure. They will sign Kevin Shadi on a permanent transfer, 100% decided. So this is already a positive news for, for Brentford. And then they will go for a new centre striker. They are exploring options. They are discussing, discussing options internally together with Thomas Frank. But still no, no decision made. Interesting you say that for Bishop because I'm hearing that there might be uh, FIFA might get involved in it also now to maybe extend the ban to worldwide. So you probably will not be allowed to play football yeah. at all. Yeah, that's why, honestly, I, I really don't know. I'm still checking on this also on the player side, FA side. But for sure, I know that there are some clubs outside England prepared to make proposals for Ivan Toni and to try to, to make something happen. But then it depends on FIFA. So let's see. Uh, great. I mean, that's a brilliant topic to discuss a little bit into detail a, a later date, I think, because um, yeah. this could get very complicated for Ivan Tony. I worry about the player's mental health, man. I mean, how, how getting out there on the field, and, and you boys can can also testify to this, getting out on the field, the freedom you have, how you can express yourself, and then being told you can't do what you love for eight months when you're pretty much in your prime, you're scoring goals in the Premier League, the highest league, the best league in the world, and then you're told you can't play. I know it's his fault. I get it. 
but I think it's an incredibly harsh punishment for a player who's in his uh, his great prime of his career. And uh, now I, I'm certainly concerned about the player's mental health. Um, let's turn our attention to some of the questions that are coming in for Beatso. Before we do we'll let you go, we've got about three minutes left with you. Uh, there's a great question coming in from Amar Ali. He's saying, what about Joshua Kimmich to Barcelona? This was reported in Kicker this week as well. And I know you've been having your eyes a little bit on this here and anything uh, interesting about this one, Joshua Kimmich? Yeah, it's true that Barcelona love Joshua Kimmich, but it's the same for many clubs around the world. This is a fantastic player. Xavi considers him a top player. But from what I hear, Bayern have no intention to negotiate. He's absolutely untouchable. He's considered a crucial player on and off the pitch because he's one of the leaders of the dressing room and so they don't want him to go. Kimmich is going to stay at Bayern. This is Bayern position as of today and I think also because of the financial situation Barcelona is not going to be easy to go there and convince Bayern. So my feeling is for Kimmich to stay. I would be surprised by that. Yeah, Fab, with AC Milan getting knocked out of the UEFA Champions League, so much has been made about the lack of depth. I've seen rumors of a certain Premier League club who has been in the headlines throughout this season potentially letting go of one of their own in Ruben Loftus-Cheek to Milan. Can you expand on that of what the future holds for yeah, there are negotiations ongoing between AC Milan and, uh, and Chelsea for Robin for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is a concrete possibility, a really concrete possibility, because the player is keen on trying different kind of experience. For example, as Ficayo Tomori did, doing to doing very well at Milan, and so to try different kind of of league or life, so a new challenge. And this is a concrete possibility for for Loftus-Cheek. Also, Milan and Chelsea are discussing over a permanent transfer. So this is the negotiation now between the two clubs. And I think this could happen because Milan, as you mentioned, they need some more player in that position, especially in the midfield. They had the injury of Ismail Benasser, who is going to create some problems. So this is why it's crucial for them to have at least one midfielder, and it could be two. And so Roftus-Cheek is the priority target in that position. Let's see how the negotiation will continue, but there are very positive feelings on that one. And so Roftus-Cheek could be the next signing for Milan. Richo, any update on Jude Bellingham? Yeah, we're waiting on Real Madrid to submit the official proposal. You know, I think what, what really uh, created an issue with the timing of the story is Borussia Dortmund in the title race. The relationship between Borussia Dortmund and Real Madrid is excellent. So Real Madrid don't want to create any problem to Borussia Dortmund while they are in a title race and saying to the player, because for the player it's really important to, to fight for that Bundesliga title till the final minutes. So this is why Real Madrid have an agreement with Jude Bellingham on personal terms. The contract is ready. Everything is prepared between Jude Bellingham and Real Madrid, but still waiting to sit with Borussia Dortmund and make an official proposal. They feel at Real Madrid that this is the easiest part of the job. So the complicated part was to convince uh, the player. They did it. So now it's about negotiating with Borussia Dortmund, but very positive feelings, very good relationship. And so I would say that Jude Bellingham to Real Madrid is a matter of time now. Mm. Another quick question, Fab, on the opposite end of the Premier League table. I predict that Leeds and Leicester will probably go down. When you look at Leeds, Leicester, and obviously Southampton already being down, out of those three clubs, who are the top two players to look out for to probably be sold like in a fire sale? Yeah, I think there's going to be a big revolution there. Let's see what happens at Leeds. We know, for example, McKennie would return to Juventus and then he has to, to clarify his future there. But for Leeds... 
They have some young players like uh, Nyonto, Jorginho Rutter, so they already prepared the future with some young players. For example, I think at Leicester is crucial to let some players go. Madison will leave, for example, Leicester. In any case, uh, Premier League or, or Championship, he will leave the club. And Tottenham are still interested. Also, Manchester United are exploring the conditions of the deal. So Madison is one to watch for sure in the summer. Yuri Tillemans will leave on a free. So Yunsu will join Atletico Madrid. For Tillemans, it's an interesting situation because he's still not a great terms with any club. So it's a big opportunity on the market. And this is why it's going to be an interesting one in the, in the next weeks. But for sure, there is going to be a big, big revolution there. And for Southampton, let me mention Romeo Lavia, this midfielder they signed on permanent deal from Manchester City last summer. Man City have uh, a buyback option close, but it's valid only in summer 2024. So this is a big opportunity for Southampton to sell the player this summer. Chelsea appreciate him, but there are also other clubs keen on signing him, including Arsenal. So I think Romeo Lavia will be one of the big names on the market in the summer in the Premier League. It's absolutely impossible for us to get through a conversation with Fabrizio Romano in 20 minutes. It's almost impossible. We're into stoppage time right now. Uh, we appreciate you, Fabrizio. Um, obviously, you. everybody can go follow you all across your social media platforms, very active on YouTube as well. And uh, everything you do, Fabrizio, is uh, always top class. And uh, continue the great work. I know you're going to be very busy when it comes through the summer. We're excited to speak to you a lot more. So thank you very much for Fabrizio joining us today. To everybody else out there, stick thank around. You. There's more to come from myself, Nigel, and Mike when we return. The soccer calendar never takes a break. Stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment from the world's game with the Galazzo starting 11 newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis of everything you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Galazzo. Once again, it's the Galazzo starting 11 newsletter. You can sign up for free for free for free at cbsports.com slash golazzo. Welcome back into House of Champions. Ian Joy with my co-hosts, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood today. Nigel, you sound like you are in hostage status with a <laughs> muffle on. Um, what's going on? Can you update everybody what you're doing, what you're doing next week as well, so that all of our viewers and everybody can enjoy this journey with you? Uh, what do you mean hostage status? You just sound like you're in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit of a box room. No, it's probably the, the headphones, that's why. I have to talk more for it to pick up my tone. The producer does already moaned about it. But anyway, long story short, I'm flying out to Belfast tonight. going to do a week's intensive coaching course to get the UEFA A license. You've got to do one week this year and then the following week next year. And then you get your UEFA coaching license. Only God knows why I'm doing it, why I'm doing it for anyway. I think it's great to have, though. I mean, yeah. in all honesty, even if you don't go into coaching, and God, it's so important in my uh, per, in my personal opinion to have diversity, especially when it comes to Major League Soccer, when it comes to coaching as well. Because you think of some of the great brains that we have had in the beautiful game who have not yet had an opportunity to coach. You're certainly one of them, Nigel, with your experience that I think should be doing more um, in the coaching side of things. But even if you didn't go into the coaching, being an analyst, and I know you work around Major League Soccer and obviously do a lot of great stuff for CBS Sports as well, but having that coaching badge and seeing it from a different side of the game could be very valuable for you and you can teach a lot of people about it while you're using it. Yeah, let me just jump in on that as well. And it's interesting you say that because there's different ways to approach coaching. I've seen it from different nations and their set. You know, I've done the USA badges and I'm not going to lie, I wasn't very impressed with it because it was kind of do it by the book and that's it. And I'm, and I'm not thinking that's how football is supposed to be. So with the Northern Ireland one, I've already been given like a a uh, quiz to answer, like a bit of a testing. 
And how you answer these questions will be a reflection on the type of coach or personality that you might be. And then they'll make sure they put you with obviously someone who's running the course and split you into groups being with that kind of mentor who is in the same style. So it's not about doing it by the book. It's about what coach can you be? And I think when you have this conversation, when you look at the greats who transformed the game, like Arsene Wenger, Pep Guardiola, and obviously Alex Ferguson, they're all different styles of coaches. They didn't go into a coaching course and became that coach by what they were told and learned to do so by the book. It's all about individual personalities. And I think, as we always say, there's more than one way to win a football match. And that's what I like about this course. It's letting you be who you are and letting you be the style of coach you want to be, the more so doing it by the book. NRC, I think this is an amazing conversation, one, and can't applaud you enough for taking this journey. It's something I've been thinking about as well in my just post-football playing career. But question for you, when, say, either two teams that you've played for in a perfect world, let's just play, you know, scenarios, Aston Villa, West Ham, both pick up the phone and call you and say, hey, Nigeria Coker, we've seen you get your badges. We want you to be the next manager of our club. Where do you go, NRC? <laughs> Where do you go? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between, mate. No, um, <laughs> it's a difficult one, mate. I just think just getting the opportunity is the biggest thing, Mike. That's the biggest thing for me. You know, and uh, a lot of ex-players still speak. Like, I, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I'm so happy for Darren Moore. What happened to him with uh, Sheffield Wednesday yesterday? Because to me, that's more than a football match. Because the abuse he got was unfair. Because when you actually get to know Darren Moore as a human being and a person, he's one of the nicest guys in the game of football. And like Ian said, it's just about putting diversity, a different opinion, because there's diversity on the pitch. There needs to be more in the sense of management coaches and stuff like that, because I just don't feel black players are given as long as opportunity and as much opportunity as our white counterparts that we've seen. But there is definitely talent there and there's opportunity there. You just, you know, like you said, get the badges and see what turns up. Matt jumping in and saying NRC will be leading the Hammers one day. I would love to see it. Ed jumping in and saying we need more people of color behind the scenes in yeah. football. Proud of the work that NRC is putting in. Gives you the little fist pump right there. Coach NRC FTW. Coach NRC Godspeed from Vic. These are people who were hammering you, by the way, Nigel, when you weren't here. <laughs> Shocking prediction. Wait, how about this, Ian? Vic, Vic, I'll go manage Chelsea. How about that? <laughs> you don't want you don't want that, Vic. You don't want that. <laughs> hey, last question, because we do have to move on here real quickly. But you know, I do notice that in football now in particular, when it comes to rules and regulations, and we have had this uh, conversation, both of you, I'd like to hear your answer and response on this. Major League Soccer have a stipulation now, NFL has a stipulation now where diversity comes into play with who you're interviewing now. Is it important to have that regulation in play? I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that we see the best coaches coaching 100%. But getting opportunity for uh, people of color um, in the big stages, in the coaching ranks, making sure that they are giving a fair shot here is so very important. So is it the regulation just there just for show to say that we have interviewed everybody and we've done our due diligence, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go for this one here, a white dude over here. Or do you think that is something that will provide more opportunity? In my opinion, Ian, it's there just for show. Because, you know, without letting a lot out, I've seen a lot, speak to a lot of people, and you see it's still about not what you know, it's who you know. And that's just the reality. I think they can, unless they really fully implement this, 
that's the only way it will change. Unless they really give black players the opportunity to really meet and socialise with these owners and things like that, but them wanting to push change within their clubs and organisations, it's not going to change because the directors of football have friends, they've got agents, they've got people in place. It's just something that they have to tick off the box. Okay, we interviewed him, that's good, but we really want to give it to him. So it's until we really get real opportunities to show what we're capable of, that was that's when it will change, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nigel, I, I agree with that. But also, I'll add this very quickly. In order to change the environment, you have to get a seat at the table any which way you can. You have to do it within the system. And I am actually in favor of the regulations. I agree with you that it's for show. But any, any black coach that is given an opportunity, I look at some of the black coaches that are doing well, Vincent Company as one. If he gets a big opportunity, whether it's regular, regulations or, I mean, he's earned it. I favor him to do well. You have to get an opportunity before you can make any change. I'd like to see more black ownership in particular for mm-hmm. me. That's that's what I'd like to see. Um, and, and female ownership on that part as well. And I think we're starting to see that more and more, certainly in North America. Um, but let's see if we can fight for change. Uh, congratulations, Nigel. And all the best with your coaching badges next week. So let's get into closing out the show with some things to look forward to this weekend. We begin in the Premier League. There's a big game between Liverpool and Aston Villa. Um, obviously, it's a chase for the top four here, Nigel. It's not going to be easy. We know that Newcastle um, and Manchester United control those positions right now, but Liverpool are so close to United. I know there's a game in hand right there, but one mistake, one game that you don't pick up maximum points could be very costly for these teams. Massive, massive, massive game. Uh, this is probably the game of the weekend is the best way to describe it. But you go, I, I just got to give credit to Unai Emery. I think what he's done at Aston Villa and how he's turned that club around it's absolutely amazing. It's fascinating. It goes back to previous conversations. Steven Gerrard got the job, obviously, because he was Steven Gerrard. Was it because he was a good manager or not? Questionable. But you look at what Emery's done, a manager of experience, and uh, I, I don't see them going into this game having any fear of Liverpool whatsoever. Because obviously Liverpool, yes, they're in a good run of form at the moment, but there's still that factor of they can be beaten. This isn't the Liverpool... The, the juggernaut is seen under Jürgen Klopp's greatest times at Liverpool. So I would fancy Villa for this one, Ian. Oof, I think that's a bold call, NRC. I want mm. to give you a stat. Liverpool, for what they haven't done throughout the season on the road, Anfield has been an absolute fortress. The only team to come to Anfield and get a win this season? Guess the team. I'll give you two seconds. All right, I'll go for it. Leeds United, 2-1 win. They've beaten or drawn against everyone. Chelsea even got a nil-nil draw. Everyone else has suffered at Anfield. This is why I favor Liverpool. They've gotten the road form. Mohamed Salah is scoring goals again, and I think that this will be a swan song. This will be their toughest match of the season. They have to get maximum points at home. I see Liverpool winning this one. Yeah, but Mike, no Jurgen Klopp on the sidelines. He has now been hit with a bit of a suspension here after comments he made post-match. Is that going to be costly for Liverpool? Oof, they're a well-doing machine. It will have an effect in terms of if something goes wrong, if Villa gets an early goal or something of that effect. But when you have something in motion the way Liverpool have, they look back to the Liverpool of old that we saw cruising, not just in top four action, but cruising like they were against Manchester City. I still favor Liverpool in this one. Mohamed Salah, give him the ball. He'll score. Oh, interesting to see what happens next week. We can get stuck into the results from that one. Let's go to the bottom of the table. Um, we obviously have a bit of a relegation battle. Wolves against Everton, Forest against Arsenal, which is a cracking game, especially with Forest being pretty good at home. And then West Ham against Leeds. Nigel, where are you going here? Who's in real trouble? 
Leeds are in real trouble. <laughs> I, I, I can see Leeds and Leicester going down. I've said it before. I just can't see them staying up. I think those two are going to go down in, in Leicester. So it's it's what you get for such a terrible season, really, and through everything that's happened. You want to run a club well. If players are coming up to the end of their contract and don't want to stay at your club, you've got to get rid of them, cash in, run again and go again. I think that's been a problem with Leicester, more so than Leeds. They've let players stay there. There's been so much rumours about most of their top players. And now it's really come to the forefront. You've changed your manager at a very crucial time. There hasn't been consistency. And now, obviously, I feel that they're going to be relegated. Wow. Oh, man. I like to hear that, though. That's, That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's turn attention to what's happening in Italy. There's a great game. Obviously, the champions, Napoli, no real pressure on them whatsoever at all. They can go and have some fun. The victory parade continues, but they are playing against Inter, who are in a battle for top four. The battle for top four in Italy is absolutely sensational to watch. Inter obviously have the slightest of advantage. Milan on the outside looking in. They play against Sampdoria. Um, but this is a battle that should commence this week, especially with this game. Napoli will not want to lose. Inter will definitely want to win. And Inter right now are in fabulous form right now, Mike. Oh, I'm a big fan of this Inter team. I mean, I pretty much put my House of Champions neck on the line, which if Inter don't win the Champions League, I hope Ed, Vic, the rest of the House of Champions public crew, please be easy on me. Not like you were with James or Nigel with some of our ridiculous predictions. But back to this match. Remember, when Napoli were winning all those games, when they looked invincible, it was Inter Milan that knocked them off their perch. This is an Inter side that will remember that, but also this is a Napoli side. And Luciano Spalletti, they will also remember that. Playing them at home, Napoli, I see them as slight favorites in this because of just them being at home. But I think the champagne might still be in their brains, might still be party mode down in Naples. This is why I think Inter, they will be laser sharp focused to try and make more noise. This is an Inter team that's trying to create more believability, not just for the Coppa Italia final, not just for the top four hopes, but they're trying to create believability over the UEFA Champions League final contest against world superpower Manchester City. I can't wait to watch this. NRC, anything on this game? Nah, Mike's covered it all. You know what Mike's like, isn't he? Doesn't stop talking. Oh, Jesus. Never shuts up, does he? <laughs> Let's turn our attention to the Bundesliga. It's Bayern Munich against Leipzig. Uh, here we have a good, interesting talking point here because there's one point lead over Borussia Dortmund heading into this uh, penultimate weekend. Bayern will be champions for the 11th straight season. It pains me to say that there. If wait, wait. Ian, Ian. Go ahead. Say that again? Who's gonna win? Who, could, who could win the Bundesliga again? Dortmund can win if Bayern mess it up against Leipzig. I'm just going to throw that out there. But they still got to beat Leipzig. If they get maximum points against Leipzig, and then the last game, I think, is against Schalke, if I'm not mistaken, um, they will be champions, Nigel Rio Coker here. So you'd expect them to beat Leipzig, right? Yeah. Michael, was it at the start of the season that we said Bayern were going to win the league at the start without watching one game? Ah. You know, I, th- I think we've said a lot of things. My my coffee hasn't hit me yet. NRC, I've, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, reading Ed's comment. I'm still kind of sheepish about what I say next about Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. But question for you, Ian. NRC, I want to yeah. give you props before I go into this question. You did say Bayern was going to win when this title race did blow up and Bayern started crapping their pants, seemingly. But question for you, Ian. If Bayern Munich bottle this and lose the Bundesliga, because of this match. Where do they go from here? Where do you see them going from here? Where do they go anyway? Yeah. Where are they going anyway, Mike? I mean, come on. Let's face it. Bayern Munich are not the Bayern Munich anymore. They're just not. 
and they have to sign players. I mean, I think we can all agree here that for Bayern Munich to compete in the Champions League after what we just watched from Manchester City and even Real Madrid and, 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 and other teams in the Champions League this campaign, Bayern need to spend money. They need to start to get to the point where they're spending more than $100 million to compete in the Champions League again. Sure, domestically you can win, but look at Borussia Dortmund selling all of their top players. What's that got them? It's got them Champions League football every year. Great, brilliant, fantastic. Your fans will turn up there. You're basically abusing your fans for finishing the second hey, in the Bundesliga. Don't make fun of Borussia Dortmund like that because that's what Arsenal was doing under Arsene Wenger for about 15, 20 years, isn't it? So Champions League football is winning. It, it, it is to a certain point, Nigel, but... I know, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, I obviously love the Bundesliga and I'm frustrated. Now, I've made my points clear for years on this that until I see a title um, chase, until I see um, Borussia Dortmund win it or another team, Leipzig, keeping their best players, we will never have a growth spurt in the Bundesliga. Yeah. It will just never happen. People are starting to turn their attention to other leagues. Look at Serie A this year. Napoli won it, but it's a different team than won it. Milan won it last year. More people are tuning in, in my personal opinion. Obviously, the product is absolutely fantastic from Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. They're doing a great job with Serie A. And there's a, a race now for the top four. Don't have that, really, in the Bundesliga. And people are now turning away because there's no real excitement there. Am I wrong here, Mike? No, no. I, I think you're spot on. This is why I think that outside of title race and I hope it goes down to the wire I see it going down to the wire on the final day both Bayern and Dortmund have big games ahead can't sleep on the teams they have to face obviously Bayern and Leipzig is a blockbuster one in this league but I look at the clubs like Union Berlin Freiburg if they can secure Champions League football, if they can start making more of a run, if they can retain some of their players, then I think that this is going to be massive for the German Bundesliga. I, I've loved and enjoyed watching those clubs because of, well, they've been feeder clubs for certain players, whether it's you know players like Vincenzo Grifo, who's been a stud for Freiburg this year. Obviously, Jordan Sibachuk is a PFAC. I don't know what, what name he goes by. He's faltered a bit, but he's it's been a landing strip for him <laughs> to be at a club like Union Berlin. So those are the two clubs that I have my eyes on to see where they finish in the running. There's still a possibility that Bayern messed this up. There really is. And that's crazy for me to say Bayern have messed this up. Bayern have obviously lost Lewandowski and Lewandowski was like, you know, the, the band-aid. He was covering up a lot of the problems that Bayern Munich had because of the goals that he scored. And now he's gone. You you don't have that out-and-out goal scorer and Chupo Moting was never going to be that guy. So Bayern Munich need to sign more than just a striker. They clearly need to keep their players happy because you are hearing their best players being linked with other clubs. Not many people want to stay at Bayern Munich because of the BS that's happening around them. Coaching changes, executives, former players, Sally Hamidzic, played against Sally Hamidzic and Oliver Kahn. They're all absolute nuggets, man. And they are. I say it here. Like we talk about like having diversity. How about we do that in the Bundesliga as well? You've got former players here who are being given an opportunity because they've got a voice. Give me a break, man. Give it to the best people who are um, the best people in those positions who can take the club further. I don't think Oliver Kahn was ever going to be that. And I certainly don't think that Sally Hamazic, who was an absolute madman on the field, mm. would ever be that guy as well. But here's the fixtures, Nigel, before we go. So they do play against Leipzig, who Christopher Nkunku is back. And Christopher Nkunku Baller. is playing well right now. He's only three goals short of the uh, leading goal scorer in the Bundesliga with two games left to play. So they play against Leipzig and then they're away to Cologne, Bayern Munich, where Dortmund are away to Augsburg and then at home to Mainz. There's every chance here that Bayern could still mess this up. 
Oh, there is a big chance, but I just don't see it. When they're so close and you look at the season so far, this is the only thing they've got left to play for. And if they don't win the title, that'll be seen as a massive failure, as you're well aware of. So then again, they're already in a bit of a sticky situation of where do they go next? If they don't win the Bundesliga, it really is panic stations at Bayern Munich and it's going to have to be massive changes, drastic changes and a whole new blueprint. What would get you watching the Bundesliga, Nigel? What would get you to watch the Bundesliga? I mean, Jude Bellingham's there. We've got like five or six English players who are there. I mean, what would get you to watch it? Like you said, it's got to be the competitiveness. Because listen, I made a joke about it, but I knew it anyway. I said Bayern Munich would win the league trial before the league even started. And even halfway through, when you were panicking, something not quite right at Bayern, I said, we'll discuss this when they win the title at the end of the day again. And our producer made a great point there that in Serie A, there's been four different winners in the past four years. And then you look at the Italian clubs and the success that they're having in European competitions. So, again, I think the blueprint is there if the German league wants to compete. But again, it's are they concentrating too much on the financial side of things and not willing and daring enough to take risks? Because there's a tremendous amount of young players all around the world who would go to Germany and play football. You know, the lifestyle, the culture there is great. It's just are they going to keep them from a long period of time to try and be successful and buy some of the best to try and be successful and compete and win things? Yeah, Nigel, I'm so happy that you mentioned European competition because I think you look at some of the leagues that have really vaulted themselves. And I go back to La Liga when it was it became more than a two-horse race. Atletico Madrid jumping in, winning La Liga, that was yeah. massive for the league itself. But it was what Atleti did in Europe as well. Sevilla, their pedigree in Europe, it gave that dominance of Spanish football and other leagues around the world. We're seeing it with Serie A now saying, hey, it's not just happening within the the country itself it's happening continentally as well is that even a word continentally it's happening on the damn continent is what i mean by that but quick point for me when i look at this bundesliga roundup keep an eye on the final match day do not sleep on cologne if you're a Bayern munich fan cologne they did what they beat leverkusen they're one of the teams that ended that hot streak for Bayer leverkusen they're a team that if you don't show up they do have some pieces that can still kick you and mines this is the one I circled on the calendar for Borussia Dortmund. Mainz has had some big upset victories this season in the German Bundesliga. If Dortmund don't show up, then it'll be the same story as always. But I just have a feeling that Borussia Dortmund, there's still life in them as long as Jude Bellingham is motivated. Yeah, well, we hope that House of Champions makes it continentally as well at some <laughs> stage, Mike. We appreciate your words. Thank you, boys. Appreciate uh, allowing me to rant just a little bit on the Bundesliga. And um, that's obviously, fine. what's happening. Right, yeah. the- that's, that's fine. I'm about to have a continental breakfast as well. Continent. Make sure you make it continentally, okay? Yeah, oh, continentally. Yeah, continentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, continentally. Add, an, add an extra egg for Mike. <laughs> just Appreciate you, boys. Have a great day. Nigel Rio Coker, travel safe and uh, all the best with the coaching badges. Uh, please keep us uh, updated on your uh, whereabouts and what you're up to on the, the group chat. We'll try to spread the word to our people on House of Champions who miss you and obviously want to see you back here as much as possible. And that includes Ed and Vic and Matt, who have been <laughs> for you. Uh, but to everybody out there, have a fantastic weekend we'll see you next week we've got a couple of shows coming your way next week um, obviously as things start to slow down but then they'll peak back up again for the European finals which we look forward to and um, a lot happening in the summer as well Mike enjoy yourself Nigel Rio Coker travel safely to everybody out there thank you so much to listening to House of Champions take a minute to leave us a rating review on your favourite podcast platform or available on Spotify Stitcher anywhere else you listen to podcasts also available as videos so subscribe to us on YouTube have a great weekend everybody see you soon.